you a Bible, I'm going to ask you to, there we go, I'm going to ask you to turn to two places, uh, John chapter 12 in one hand and Isaiah chapter 6 in the other hand, um, John chapter 12 and Isaiah 6, we're going to flip back and forth to those, um, let me get myself situated, um, and we try to make the Bible kind of the center of everything we do. So if we have a, a men's meeting on Friday, the Bible is going to be the center. If there's a youth activity, the Bible is going to be the center. We do other things too, but the Bible is really what we put first. Um, I think that's in the title of the church, I think. First Bible Church, I think that's what it means. I don't know. What's in a name? Uh, so there we go. I'm a little, I'm ringing just a tiny bit. I'm ringing a little bit there. Uh, so John chapter 12, we there say Amen. All right, I'm starting to sweat, so I think the heat is starting to come on. I think it's coming on. All right, but anyway, so we like to study the Bible a little bit, a uh, little bit, a uh, lot of bit. Um, we're going through the whole Old Testament on Thursday nights, book by book. And um, as you study the Bible, uh, and if you have studied the Bible at all, and I think that's why you're here, to learn what God said. As you study the Bible, you see so many parallels between certain people. And two of the people that you see so many parallels to between are Moses and the Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many parallels between Moses and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just throw out a few of them to you. Both are called prophets with a special relationship to God and a special message from God. Amen? Number two, both worked miracles in the sight of Israel to strengthen their faith. That's number two. Number three, both were sent by God to bring their nation into God's promised blessing. That's number three. And number four, and there's more, but I just picked out four. Number four, both watched their people miss the blessing because they failed to believe. They both did. Right there in John 12, 37, we're going to read. We've read it a couple of times. Let's read it again. John 12, 37. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. That's a reference to the cross in Isaiah 53. And then it says, therefore, they could not believe because that Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. That's a reference to the crown in Isaiah chapter six. In fact, that's what we're going to look at in a second, because right there, as we see Israel kind of rejecting Jesus Christ, rejecting the king, not believing what Jesus Christ was all about, the Lord alludes to Isaiah's warning as Israel fails to believe Jesus Christ, their king. So let's look at Isaiah again. I know we touched on it last week, but go to Isaiah 6. Let me just show you something in Isaiah 6 that is repeated throughout the Bible. Isaiah 6, I lied to you. I said go there and I didn't go there. Isaiah 6, uh, Isaiah 6, what did Isaiah see? Let's look at it again. Isaiah 6, 1 and 2. Isaiah 6, 1 and 2. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. The first thing he sees is the Lord gave Isaiah a heavenly perception, Jesus Christ on his throne up there. Wild stuff, man. I mean, take your breath away. And then in verse number three, it changes a little bit. And then it says, and one, meaning no seraphim, cried one unto another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. He didn't just give him a heavenly perception. He gave Isaiah an earthly prospect. Jesus Christ and his glory down here on earth, filling the earth. That's something that's yet to come. That's something else he got to see. And then in verse number nine, the Lord gave Isaiah some ominous preaching. (laughs) And he said, go and tell this people, 
Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. That's a pretty serious message. And I think the the meaning of that message is, you better believe. You better believe. You better believe. If not, the word of God's going to close your eyes. The preaching's going to shut your ears. You're not going to be able to believe if you don't believe. When God says believe, you better be careful. As God's holding out his hand, you better take it because it's not going to be held out forever. Right? That's what he's saying there. That's the warning. But what I want you to notice today is this. After Israel fails to believe under both Moses and Jesus Christ, God points to the glory Isaiah saw. It's interesting. He keeps pointing back to this glory when he would fill the earth when they failed under Moses and when they failed under Jesus Christ. You say, why? Because it's as if the Lord is saying, my kingdom's going to come, whether you believe me or not. You see, God is not, Jesus Christ is not the tooth fairy. He's not the Easter bunny, and he's not Santa Claus. He doesn't need you to believe in order to exist, right? It's not like if we all believe, then he's really there. No, he believes he's there whether you believe him or not. But he doesn't need you to believe to exist, and he doesn't need you to believe to accomplish his will. His kingdom's going to come. His glory's going to fill the earth whether you believe it or not. But he wants you to believe. So you can enjoy and experience the blessing. That's what I want to talk about. Because the kingdom is coming. The glory is on its way. It's coming. Are you going to get on board? Are you going to get on board? Are you going to get in on it? Are you going to believe God? That's my question. That's my lesson. Are you going to believe God so you don't miss the blessing? That's the question. Are you going to believe God? Are you going to believe God? Let's, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you today. We thank you today. I'm already excited, Lord. So just calm my spirit, Lord. Help me to speak clearly the things you'd have me to say. Lord, prick our hearts. Search our hearts. Let us see things. Lord, let us not be passive observers, Lord, but let us look into your word, Lord, and see what you would have to say to us individually. If someone is lost, help them to believe the gospel, Lord. Show them their need that they might call on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins today. And if someone is a Christian, Lord, knows your promises, has read them and heard them, let their eyes not be shut, let their ears not be dull of hearing, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, dear Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn back to Exodus 11. Let's look at Moses, right? Exodus 11. We're going to do a little history study and see some patterns here because there's parallels and patterns. Exodus 11. Let's talk about Moses first, because number one, Israel missed the blessing under Moses because they would not believe. It was actually very simple. They missed the blessing because they would not believe. You know, under Moses, Israel saw the supernatural power of God. I mean, think about the stuff they saw. Under Moses, Israel was eyewitness to 10 amazing miracles the world has never seen since. I mean, those plagues that were wrought in Egypt, Israel saw them happen. Forget about all the miracles he did in the wilderness afterwards. If we just took those 10 plagues, Israel saw some miraculous things that came upon the world that should have made them all follow Moses and follow the God of Moses. Amen? And in all those miracles, do you know, Israel could also see the supernatural protection of God. Because those things that God brought upon Egypt, God protected his people from. So don't get so nervous when things start going south and going sour with your government. Don't get too nervous because God always takes care of his people that follow them. You might not always have a two-car garage. You might not always have like, you know, a million dollars in the bank. When you have a million dollars in the bank, please let me know because I want to bum some money off of you, right? But you know what? You're going to be okay, saint, as long as you stay close to the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills and can feed you with manna in the wilderness. Just stay close to him. Right, Get close to him and think about the things that happened down there. Remember that plague about the flies? Right, There were grievous flies swarming all over Egypt. 
but no flies in the land of Goshen where Israel was. Now, I, we, me, me and Chris, we've been out on Haiti. And you know what they got to do while they put the food out in Haiti? The ladies, the people, they stand there sw- swatting all the flies away. Because the flies are just everywhere, man. Could you imagine grievous flies just swarming all over the place in your hair, in your eyes? And the Israelites are like, you know, pass the butter. Can I have some gravy, please? Right? They're just sitting there having their meal, having their good time. And there's no flies over there. Israel saw that. All the cattle in Egypt dying of disease, but none of Israel's cattle perish. All the other Egyptians like, oh, where's Bessie? Oh, she's turning up roses over here. She died. She kicked the bucket. She got that grievous moraine. The Israelites, are, they're good to go, man. Their cattle are doing fine. There's hail raining down that destroys everything, but no hail where the Israelites lived. They saw this. Darkness so thick you could feel it, but light in all of Israel's dwellings. You see what they saw? Can you imagine what they saw? Not just the supernatural power, but under Moses, Israel experienced a supernatural Passover by the blood of the Lamb. Look at Exodus 11. Look at it, verse 4. Look at the judgment he set against Egypt. And Moses said, this is going to be that tenth and final plague. And Moses said, thus saith the Lord about midnight, Will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. All of Egypt was condemned. What a warning he gave them, right? Didn't matter if you were the guy at the top or the guy peddling stuff at the bottom. All of you are going to, your firstborn, all of them are going to die. Kind of reminds me of the warning he gives us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't care if you're at the top of the food chain or you're at the bottom of the food chain. The Bible says the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all, right? One day, they're all going to kick the bucket and stand in front of the God who made them. And that's the warning he gives. All of Egypt is condemned. What a warning he gave them. What a warning he gives us. No, where, no matter where you are today, what your background is, what your religion is, what your economic status is, what anything is, without Jesus Christ, without that blood of the Lamb, you're condemned. And death is going to come and get you and take you to a place you don't want to be. Number two, look what happens. So look at the difference in verse seven. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast that you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. All of Egypt was condemned, but the Israelites had hope. The Israelites were not going to have that bitter cry. The Israelites were not going to have that grievous night. The Israelites had a way to be spared because God was going to give them a great plan of redemption. He was going to tell them about the blood of a lamb and how that blood of a lamb could save you from sure death and condemnation. What a gospel he was going to give them. Hey, what a gospel he gave us. Hey, deliverance from death, deliverance from hell, a home in heaven, that's good news. You say, why are you getting excited? Because that's good news. Some of you have been glued to the TV screen this week. You know, it had nothing but bad news, disappointment, letdown. You know what God says? Hey, man, when I promise you something, I'm coming through on the letter. I'm coming through where I said it, how I said it, where I said it. That book always comes true. He says, if you believe this, it's going to happen. And he gave them a gospel like he gave us a great gospel. And look what happens in chapter 12. This is familiar ground. I know all the Bible scholars are stroking their chin sewing, chin sewing. When shall you tell me about the armpit of the angel? All right, it's coming up. Just sit tight. Uh, Exodus 12, verse 12. Now death goes out, right? Death goes out throughout the land. And God says in Exodus 12, 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, 
I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt, man, God passed over all who believed what God had said and put that blood upon their door. I say, what a great salvation he gave them. And hey, what a great salvation he gave us. Because when it all goes to pot, guess what? I'm out of here. When death comes to knock on my door, he's not going to be able to hold me down. My son was sharing with me a, a silly survey this week, and it was like, you know, uh, how do you intend to die? So like that. One of the choices was, I'm never going to die. And you know what I picked? I picked, I'm never going to die. Because Jesus said, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Oh, my body may hit the, hit the deck and die, but guess what? I'm never going to die as far as God is concerned, because I'm joined to the one who is life. And so I'm never going to be separated from the one who is life. So you know what? Death may land on me like a bee without a stinger, but that stinger's been taken out. He ain't going to take me. He ain't going to hold me down because Jesus Christ busted hell wide open. I'm going to go up. Amen, 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 amen. All right, now, think about what Israel saw. Can you just put yourself in their shoes or their sandals, rather? Can you put yourself in their sandals and walk a mile in their moccasins so you know what they're all about? Even though they saw supernatural power and escaped by a supernatural Passover. The children of Israel missed the blessing because of the promised land because they refused to believe God's supernatural promise. Go to Numbers chapter 13. They get out there in the wilderness. God is doing all kinds of stuff for them. He's feeding them. He's giving them all this and all that and water and everything. And their shoes aren't wearing out and they're doing okay. And they get up there to Kadesh Barnea. They're about to cross over into the promised land because that's what God had saved them for. God didn't just save them to let them wander in the wilderness. God saved them to bring them to a place of blessing. You understand that, right? God didn't just save you to give you fire insurance. God saved you to bring you to a place of blessing and victory so that you could see all God has for you. And they're about there. They're on the brink. They're right there. And Moses sends these 12 spies to go check out the land. And most of them come back with an evil report. Numbers 13, 26. Numbers 13, 26. That's a whole lot of 13s in there. All right. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the children, congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, we came unto the land where thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. So they're not saying it's not a great land. It says God was right. The land of milk and honey is there. The, the grapes are so big, a bunch of us had to carry them back. God was telling the truth. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. They're all sitting there going, God was right, God was right. But there's these obstacles. There's these giants. There's these bad guys. Don't you think that the God who said, I'd give you the land would also be able to take care of the giants, right? Don't you think if God promised you something, you see he kept half the bargain, that he would keep the other half of the bargain and give you victory over the problems that he put in your path? Do you think that maybe God let the giants grow up in there to see how you would respond to adversity? You see, you want it all easy. You don't want to fight for anything. You don't want to see God move in your life. You don't want to stand like Brother Josh said. But sometimes, dear brother, salvation is a gift. But you want to get to Canaan? You want to get to the promised land? You're going to have to man up and fight a little bit. You're going to have to struggle. You're going to have to overcome. You know what? God will give you the victory, but you've got to draw the sword. And you've got to take up arms. And you've got to stand against the wiles of the devil. And man, they didn't want to. And Caleb is the only one with any spiritual sense. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We can do it. God's on our side. God told us it was ours. He had faith. Keep reading. But the men that went up with him said, no, no. We be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report. God says if you don't believe him, it's not just a lack of faith. It's evil. It's evil. 
And he keeps saying, of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. My goodness. Instead of believing to go forward, what's their unbelief doing? It's not just stopping them. It's taken them back to Egypt. Look at chapter 14. Look how their response is now. They're not just stalled. They're going backwards. It's not just, see, we use the word backslidden. There's no such word in your Bible. There's backsliding. Because once you draw away from God, you just keep falling and falling and falling and falling. So they're not just going, uh, we can't go in. They're like, maybe we need to go back to Egypt. They're just falling and falling and falling. Look at Numbers 14.1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God that we had died in this wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. They're talking about going back into bondage, back to the whips and the chain and the pyramids and the bricks and the heartache and the rigor. They forgot their lack of faith didn't let them just not go forward. It starts sending them back into bondage. You see how important faith is? See how important it is that you believe God? You stop believing God and you start thinking some crazy things, man. This is the generation that saw the Red Sea part, that saw the death angel pass over, that saw the miracles, that saw the plagues, that saw the protection, that saw the manna, that saw the water out of a rock. They saw it all and now they hit some adversity and they're like, oh, God's not good. God's not with us. Let's go back to Pharaoh. Are you crazy? Moses and Aaron Aaron dropped to the deck and said, oh dear God, don't listen to what they're saying. I can't believe what they're saying. Lord, please have mercy. Because that's how we get. Verse number six. Not only do they want to go back into bondage, they want to kill the two guys that believed God to go get all had for them. They want to kill the two guys, Joshua and Caleb, who had enough faith to go and get all God had for them. Look what they say in verse 6. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephna, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. They're not going to eat you. You're going to eat them. For their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Brethren, the Lord is with us. Fear them not. I know they look big because they're on the screen. I know they look big because they got their maps. I know they look big because they look like they're winning. Fear them not. The Lord is with us. You just stay following God, man. You just stay following Jesus Christ. And we were, uh, where am I? Verse 10. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. They want to kill the only two guys with enough courage to believe God. Man, let that never be here. Some person gets something in their heart, says, I'm going to go do this for God. God can do it. We should encourage that, fan that flame, give the wisdom, of course. But don't any of you old farts who think you know better throw a quench on the Holy Spirit of God moving in somebody's life. Because if the Lord is with us, if God be for us, who could be against us? And then watch this, verse 22. Look what God says in 22. Now, Now, God's sitting up in heaven watching this. And God finally says in verse 22, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, each one of these ten spies, these knuckleheads, don't want to believe me. Look what he says. And have not hearkened to my voice. Surely, as surely as the land was flowing with milk and honey. Let me give you another surely, God says. Surely, 
they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Those who failed to believe were going to die in the wilderness. Isn't that tragic? A people delivered by the blood of a lamb who had this promised land ahead of them are just going to waste away for 40 years and never get all God had for them. How many Christians are in that majority? He saved you by the blood of his cross. He's got something great for you if you would just surrender to him. But you're content to let your lack of faith lead you back to Egypt and you're going to end up dying in the wilderness. You say, man, that seems pretty harsh. No, it's not. What an insult to God they were. What a slap in the face. They had seen it with their eyeballs. They had walked through dry land. They had eaten of the manna. They had drunk water out of the rock. They had seen the supernatural protection. They had seen all these things with their retinas and their corneas, not by faith. And they're sitting there spitting in God's eye and slapping God in the face and saying, but you can't do this, God. I can't trust you now, God. To have seen all the promises of the past fulfilled and failed to believe God for the future. Mm -mm. I'm uncomfortable too. Because how often do we step into their same plight? And I want you to notice in verse number 21, right in the midst of their failure, Look what God says. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. (laughs) Right there, after Israel fails to believe, God points to the same glory he showed Isaiah. That it's going to happen. It's like God is saying, it doesn't matter if you believe or not. My kingdom is going to come. My purpose is going to be accomplished. My glory is going to fill the earth. The question is, are you going to get on board? Only two men out of that whole generation. The Bible seems to say that about 600,000 men went out of Egypt. And only two, only two got on board and entered the promised land out of that whole generation. All those men, only two. Who would you be in that crowd? Would you be with the majority who missed it? Or would you be two of those nuts who were crazy enough to believe God, who would go get all God had for them? Oh, I want to be in that number when the saints go march. I want to be in that number, man. I don't care if you all think I'm crazy. I want to be among that little, little sliver that goes and gets all God has for them. That's what I want to be. I'm not there yet. I don't think I'm somebody to follow in that regard, but I want to be. Do you want to be? Because you can be. You all can be. You just got to believe God. Are you going to believe God and be blessed? That's the question. Are you going to believe God and get the blessing? They missed it under Moses. Let's go to, what do want? Let's go to John chapter 11. Let's look at Jesus Christ now. Let's look at the parallel. Oh, and there are some hearty parallels for you to consider. The Bible's a history book, and you got to see those patterns in history, right? So, Israel missed the blessing under Moses because they wouldn't believe, and Israel missed the blessing again under Jesus Christ because, again, they wouldn't believe. You starting to see the common denominator about why you miss all God has for you? Because you would not believe. Look at this. Uh, let's draw some parallels here. At the hands of Jesus Christ, like Moses... The nation of Israel again saw with their eyeballs the supernatural power of God. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Under Jesus Christ, the children of Israel were again eyewitnesses of some amazing miracles. Amen? Some amazing miracles. Let's remember some of them. They saw a blind man from birth receive his sight. Nobody had ever seen that. Nobody debated whether or not this guy saw who didn't see. They all realized it. They all saw it. And nobody ever heard anything like that of a man born blind, given sight. This was novel. This was new. This was amazing. It was shaking everybody up. They watched a man, lame, for 38 years, powerless for 38 years, 
take up his bed and walk. They'd pass this guy by the pool. They'd pass this, this poor sucker by the pool. They'd watch him struggle to get down to the water day in and day out, season in, season out, for not five years, not 10 years. It says he had this infirmity for 38 years, and now today he's walking down the avenue, praising God, holding his bed, and they saw it with their eyeballs. They watched it happen. They heard, brethren, the praises of the deaf and the dumb whose ears had been opened and whose tongues had been loosed. Those Israelites really had no excuse. Would you agree? Amen. They had no excuse. And under Jesus Christ, Israel also experienced a supernatural Passover. They saw something wild. Look at John eleven thirty eight. 38. That story of Lazarus is a great picture of somebody going from death to life, passing over from death to life. And they all saw that too. Look at John eleven thirty eight. 38. John eleven thirty eight. 38, Jesus shows up at the grave and Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Man, Lazarus was dead and the stone lay upon the tomb. And I say, what despair. Reminds me of how they must have felt in Egypt when they knew that the death angel was passing over. Those people were so desperate, so despairing. Death had come and knocked on their door and they saw no hope. Even Jesus himself is groaning in the spirit. Right, it was such a dark, dark time. And what happens in verse 25? Jesus Christ promises that his person, not a precept, would abolish death. Like he did for the Israelites, he gave those people hope. In a dark time, he gave them hope. Look what he says. He says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, not my teachings, not my good deeds, not my existence. You believe in me, my person, my work, who I am and what I'm going to do. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? You see, he's saying, you believe that I could undo this? You believe that I could take this guy out of the grave? And one day, brother, Jesus Christ is going to abolish death. When he comes back, He's going to take the ones that were saved and in the graves. He's going to take them out. And the ones that are still walking around, they're never going to die. He says it both right there. <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Those are the ones in the grave. And, 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 whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. The ones that are still walking around down 34, heading over to the dollar store or something like that, and that trumpet sounds and Jesus Christ brings that resurrection morning and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're never going to die. They're going to come up out of the graves and the ones that are still walking around are going to be changed and never see death. Wow, 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 what a promise. What hope he's given them. And he's right there. And then in verse number 43, look what happens. 43, the miracle happens. The Passover happens right there, right? And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Man, oh man, they watched as Lazarus passed from death to life. As Lazarus crossed from death to life, what deliverance. What despair at that graveside. What hope Jesus offered. And what deliverance they watched. But you know, the only thing people learn from history is that they don't learn from history. And even though they saw the supernatural power in the miracles and witnessed a supernatural Passover in Lazarus, the elders of Israel missed the kingdom because they didn't believe the supernatural person that was in their midst making all these promises. You see what they're doing right there in verse number 47? Do you believe him? Do you believe him? He wants you to believe him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. Believing is a big deal. He marveled when he saw faith. Great is thy faith, he would say to one woman. He's looking to see if he has some faith in what he said. A faith that could move mountains. And he says right there, they says in verse 47, you want to see how they reacted? Verse 47, then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we, what do we? For this man doeth many miracles. Do we have him in for a meeting? 
Do we rent a tent and go get everybody healed by him? Do we, you know, try to get a preaching tour going on? No, verse 48. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Verse 53. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for, to put him to death. Crazy, man. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. They're so scared of losing their stuff. They'd rather be subject to Rome. They'd rather stay in bondage. Huh. Sounds a lot like those spies. Let's go back to Egypt. The garlic and the leeks were pretty good. I don't know. I've had garlic. I'm a Ginzo too. But that good a garlic that you want to go back and be a slave? I don't know what they were on a garlic they had, but that was some serious garlic. I know you don't want to burn the garlic. That's sacrilegious. But you're going to go back and you want to be a slave because they had some leeks and some onions? That's why you want to go back? And how great was the place? You like being Rome's little lapdog? You like being uh, a second fiddle to Rome? You like jumping when they say jump and moving the way they say move? They say, we can't lose our place and nation. We can't lose our position in society. We can't lose our standing in the community. You'd rather be subject to Rome, that godless pagan nation, like they'd be rather slaves in Egypt? You see how history is just repeating itself? Because they don't want to lose their stuff. See what happens there? Verse number, uh, chapter 12. Look at 12, 9. 12, 9. A little time passes. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. God bless you, Lazarus. I'm so glad you came back from the dead. I can't wait to kill this sucker. We're going to kill this guy. I mean, can you see that? Right? You didn't just get cured of cancer. You didn't just get healed of, like, you know, Ebola virus. You know, oh, yeah, you came back from the dead. That was paradise. Was it good over there? It's great, great. Let's kill the sucker. Let's kill him. Get him. We're going to get him behind the, we'll get him behind the barn. We'll just kill him. You put the chloroform. We'll take... Isn't that... Religious people, dignified, pious, God-fearing, separated, phylactery-spinning, pharisaical junkheads, right? You're going to kill the guy that Jesus Christ took back from the dead. Crazy, man. I, know, I, I keep saying crazy because I look at this and I say, wow, we're crazy. Verse 11, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. You remember back in Numbers, right? There were two men that provoked everybody to believe. Caleb and Joshua. You see over here, who's provoking people to believe? Two men, Jesus and Lazarus. They wanted to stone those two spies, and guess what they want to do now? They want to kill the only two men that are leading other people to believe in God and his promises, Jesus and Lazarus, just like they wanted to stone Caleb and Joshua. It's the same pattern. Look at verse number 12. Look at verse number 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found the young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified. Then remember they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they had heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. My goodness, after all Jesus Christ had done, this evil generation wants to cancel Jesus Christ. They want to cancel him. Just like that evil report wanted to cancel Moses. It's the same thing. They wanted to get rid of Moses and his God, and they want to get rid of Jesus and his God. It's the same pattern. Verse 37 of chapter 12. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. Verse 37. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. After all Jesus Christ had done, after all Jesus Christ had said, after all Jesus Christ had fulfilled, Israel fails to believe God's man once again. Yet again. Same pattern. What an insult to the Lord. What another... Slap in his face. 
to have seen all Jesus Christ did and failed to believe all Jesus Christ would do for them in the future. Mm -mm. Sad people, sad people. And do you know what happens? Remember what it said back in Numbers? It referred to the glory in Numbers. Verse 41. It's right there. (laughs) After Israel fails to believe God again, God references the glory Isaiah saw again. 41. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. There it is again, right in the midst of their failure, is that glory that Isaiah saw. It's like the Lord is saying yet again, your lack of faith won't stop my glory from filling the earth. It's going to come. And most of that generation missed the kingdom in Moses. Most of that generation missed the kingdom, just like most of Moses' day missed the promised land. It's just the pattern keeps repeating over and over again. My question I appeal to you again as we get ready to circle the wagons is, are you going to get on board? Or are you going to let God's purpose pass you by? Are you going to believe God so you don't miss the blessing? Are you? Or are you just content to say, that was nice, Pat, that was good, and just go on and just fail to believe, fail to believe? Are you seeing what happened under Moses? Are you seeing what happened under Jesus Christ? Do you think you're going to be different for your unbelief? That these are just stories in a book somewhere that are meant to give you moral instruction? No, this is the history of God and his people. And if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Believe God. Because can I tell you this as we give one last thought on this? Like Israel under Moses and like Israel under Jesus Christ, you too are going to miss All God has for you if you fail to believe what God has told you. You say, why? Well, Moses and Jesus Christ worked miracles. Have you seen any supernatural power in your life? Hmm? Have you seen God protect you like he protected Israel back there under Moses? When death was swarming all over the place and everything was being destroyed and going to hell in a handbasket and you had life? Israel saw it. Have you seen that? Oh, you're getting so quiet on me now. It's like you walked into my trap or something, right? I'm just being honest with you. When that Lord of the Flies, Beelzebub and all his minions are swarming all over the place, guess what you got? You got life. You got no flies. When that hail is coming down and everything's being destroyed, guess what? Your stuff is standing. When there's darkness in all of Egypt and the world doesn't know what a guy is from a girl, what up is from down, what left is from right, what moral is from evil, what good is from bad, what bitter is from sweet, guess what? You can, you've got light in your dwellings. You've got light from God that could show you how to navigate the darkness. Don't tell me you've never seen God do anything. Don't tell me you've never seen any supernatural power. You've seen God preserve you and protect you and keep you and give you life when the world only is shrouded in death. You've seen God give you light when the world is lost in darkness and confusion. You're not so different from the people we read about. You're not so far removed. Don't sit there with your head up your nose and looking around like, oh, I just, those are stories. I couldn't be like them. Yeah, we're very much like them. We're very much like them. Hey, how about in Jesus' day? Has God opened your eyes? You were blind from birth. And has God let you see? I remember the day the lights came on. Maybe you don't remember it. Maybe you're not even saved. Maybe you're like, what is this Ginzo getting so excited about? I don't know. But you know what? I remember what it was like to be lost, as our dear Pastor Dean says it so often. And I remember what it was like to not know why I was getting up in the morning. And I remember when that Bible opened up my eyes and I said, this is why I'm alive. This is who Jesus Christ is. This is what life is all about. I remember when the eyes and the scales fell off my eyes. Do you? Remember when, your ear, remember when your ears opened up and the name Jesus was just a curse word to you and it became the sweetest word you've ever heard? When words like grace and peace 
and joy and love and righteousness and repentance and redemption and holiness. Words that you had never spoken now just seem to resonate in your mind like beautiful words that you had never heard this language before. Where have these words been? And now you hear them and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and this Bible. You say, was this always in there? Was that always in there? Was that always in there? Remember you started hearing that old, old story and it just kept sounding so new to you, new to you, new to you. And you'd hear some doctrine from the word of God and that still small voice inside of you would always say, you always knew this, didn't you? This is the truth, isn't it? This is it. This is the way. This is the truth. This is the life. Man, somebody might be up here preaching on something really out there, man. Salvation in the tribulation, something in the millennium, something way out there in eternity, and something now down deep inside of you that Holy Spirit says, that's it, son. That's it. That's what it's all about. That's it. And it's just amazing. Hey, man, has the Lord loosed your tongue at all? That now you speak differently? You could speak a kind word to people. You could comfort somebody going through tremendous loss. You could offer somebody hope at the job. You could witness to that friend. You could be a blessing to a lost and dying world. You could speak to your wife differently now. You speak to your husband differently now. You know how to talk to your kids without being an ogre. Because why? Because grace is poured into your lips. And you can season people with salt that you may know how to answer every man. Where before, you didn't have anything to say. Man, stuff goes down in the world, and you're like, I don't know. Where are we going drinking this weekend? What are we doing this weekend? I don't know. And now you see things getting dark, and you're like, wait a minute, I I know what that's about. I know what this is about. Somebody gets diagnosed with cancer, you say, "I I could offer them some hope and some peace. You find out about a kid that was in a cancer ward with your son, and you find out that he's sitting there in pain on hospice. You know what? You say, I know what I could text that lady. I know what I got. I got something now that I could say to somebody that's going to perish. I've got some hope that I could share. I've got a blessing I could give. I could look at my boy laying in a hospital bed and say, God's not forgotten you, man. God's not forgotten us. Right? You got something, you got a brother or sister going through something. You can say, don't worry, man. Rise up one more time. It could be today. It could be today. It could be today. And it ain't just vain words that you say at a funeral like, oh, they're in a better place. I don't know where they are, but you could be in a better place. You've got something you can say now. He's loosed your tongue that you might speak forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Hey, can I ask you this? Can I ask you this? Has he let you rise up and walk? Has he given you a walk? When God, you had no walk with God, you didn't even know who God was. And then Jesus came by and he said, take up thy bed and walk. He said, I got to walk with God now. (laughs) I don't need to lay here and waste away. I can walk with God now. Like Adam walked in the garden in the cool of the day. I can walk with him and talk with him and know that he's mine and I'm his. I think God has done some things for you, hasn't he? Shown you some miracles like Moses and like Jesus. And both Moses and Jesus Christ freed their people. Have you experienced the supernatural Passover in your life? Anybody saved here today? (laughs) Did the blood of the lamb liberate you from the bondage of Pharaoh in Egypt? Remember that, that hold he had on you? Remember that way he led you about like a dog? Like, you know, he just kind of led you about, come this way, come that way. And you just followed like a dog to the vomit. And you just kept following wherever he said, go jump this high, jump. And then Jesus Christ broke those chains and gave you power. Has God Almighty rolled away the stone and passed you from death to life? Look at John chapter 5, verse 24. You're in John. Look at John 5, 24. You see that promise Jesus had here? If, you, if you're a part of this promise, you could say amen. John 5, 24. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, have you heard him? And believeth on him that sent me, have you believed him? Hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. God took you from the lost column to the wind column, from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that you might receive forgiveness of sins. Question, 
If you've seen the supernatural power and experienced God's supernatural Passover, why not believe the supernatural promises this supernatural person has for you? What an insult we are to God sometimes. What a slap in his face. To have seen all God did for you in the past and failed to believe all God will do for you in the future. Just like Moses, just like Jesus, just like us, we're not so different. Look at 1 John. Let me show you. I just got two verses left, believe it or not. 1 John 5. 1 John 5. 1 John is the back of your Bible. 1 John 5. 1 John 5.10. 1 John 5.10. 1 John 5.10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself... Hey, you believe the Son of God is? You believe on Jesus Christ? Is He the payment for your sins? You know what you got? You got the Holy Spirit inside of you? That's a witness that you're a child of God. The Spirit itself beareth witness that we are the children of God. And then it goes on to say, okay, he that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. That's the slap in the face. That's the insult. When you don't believe the promises of God, you're calling God a liar. The one who is the truth. The one who cannot lie. The one for whom it is impossible to lie. You're telling him, I know you've done it in the past, but I don't believe you're going to do this for me. I don't believe you can do this for me. You know what you are, God? You're a liar. You wouldn't dare say that with your words, but you say it with your actions. You say it with your lack of faith. You say it by not getting all he has for you. You say it by drawing back like they drew back in the wilderness. You say it by not believing the miracles that he's already wrought in your life. You say it by what you do and how you respond to the promises. You would never dare say it with your words, but you're screaming it with your deeds. I don't believe you, God. You're a liar. God has a promised land for you to claim, dear brethren. He's got a place of victory and blessing down here. I'm not talking about heaven. Heaven is not down here. But he's got a place of victory and blessing that you'd walk in down here, where he'd use you down here. Do any of you have the courage to go get all God has for you in this life? Are there any Joshua's out there besides Josh Adler? (laughs) Any Caleb's out there? Anybody with enough courage to just believe God? Anybody like that? Oh, I can't see. The lights are shining in my eyes. I like it this way. I can't see your faces right now because I don't want to see the words you're mouthing under your breath. Right? But anybody out there says, yeah, I, 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 I want to be like Joshua. I want to be like Caleb. Amen. Or are you such a coward? You'd rather die in the wilderness than make it to the promised land. You'd rather go back to Egypt and say, it's not too bad over here. What an insult to God. You know what? Like on Jesus' day, God has a promised kingdom for you to reign in. That's your reward. A reward to rule with Jesus Christ into eternity, man. That's the reward, to rule and to reign with Jesus Christ, to be a part of that kingdom, to be reigning in that kingdom, to be a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Do you have any faith to follow your Savior who died on the cross by taking up your cross and following him? Take some faith to do that. Do you have any of that faith? I'm not saying you got to be a martyr somewhere. I'm not saying you got to go get whipped. I'm not saying you got to go be a, on, in Malawi like that guy whose daughter was almost abducted. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying right now here in 2022, you have any faith to deny yourself and give God the right away? <laughs> any faith like that at all? Or are you so concerned with your comfort like the Pharisees? You'd sacrifice your crown. You'd sacrifice forever on the altar of the immediate. So sad. Why do you say that, Pat? Because I don't want you to miss the blessing. I don't want you to miss the reigning. I don't want you to miss all God has for you in this life and into eternity. Because he's got a lot more than just saving your soul. But you've got to keep believing him. Or else you miss it. 
You know, you've heard of William Carey, perhaps. William Carey is called the father of modern missions. He was a cobbler, a guy that worked on shoes, who became a champion for Christ. He went to India at 32 years of age and died there after 41 years on the mission field without a furlough. He never took a furlough. He never took a break. He never took a vacation. He said, I'm going to India, and he stayed in India for the rest of his life. And as a pastor, as a young pastor, he got convicted by the lack of faith and the lack of zeal he saw in God's people. And one time he was at a meeting and he kind of started provoking people to like, let's go, let's go on the mission field. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And an older saint stood up, a doctor. A doctor stood up and rebuked him. And he said, young man, sit down. You are an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without consulting you or me. <laughs> right? And he went back to being a dry, rusty cracker in the back of the room, right? He said, you're just full of zeal, Mr. Carey. You're just a little bit excited, Mr. Carey. You're just full of energy, Mr. Carey. But when you get to be an old fart like me, you won't do anything for God because you'll know better. That's what he's saying right there. But a few years later, on May 30th, 1792, Carey preached a message that would launch modern missions. And in that message... He famously said a quote that I often repeat. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. And you know what? That's not just about missions. That's about everything. That's not just about whether you're going to go to the heathen or go on the mission field. That's about how you go to work tomorrow. That's how you go to ministry this week. That's about the things you will or will not sacrifice out of your own life that Jesus Christ may be King of kings and Lord of lords in your little piece of dirt. Because if you know God has promised you great things, why won't you believe him? If you know he did, why won't you believe him? And if you believe God's promised you great things, why won't you follow him? You see, you're lost in both spots. If you say, well, I didn't know, then how come you're not getting to know it better? How come you're not learning that Bible more? How come you're not checking out God's checkbook to see all the money he's got deposited in there that you could use and be spent and be spent for God with? But if you do say, amen, I know God's promised me great things. I know God's told me great things. I know his promises never fail. Then how come you're not attempting more great things for God? How come you're not following him more closely? How come you're not doing more with what you know? Finish in Hebrews 4, would you? Just to the left. I'm just about done. Look at that. Some of you are breathing a sigh of relief. Hebrews 4. You know why I'm challenging you here? Because the kingdom is coming. God's glory is going to fill the earth. It is, man. It's, it's coming. It's coming. Are you going to get on board? <laughs> Are you going to believe God so you don't miss the blessing? Are you going to believe God so you don't miss that what he has for you? Are you going to believe God so this fourth in inches we got left in this thing called life, this thing called the church age, you might say, God, I just got this little sliver. But you know what? In my heart, I want you to sit on the throne. Notice I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you to go hand out more tracts. That would be nice. I'm not telling you to give more something. That would be nice. But you know what? If God could just get your heart, if God could just get your will, if you could just yield, like Josh said, if you could just yield to the Holy Spirit of God right now, you know what? He'd blow the doors wide open on your life. If you would just wave the white flag and say, Lord, I surrender all. All to thee I freely give. That little sliver of your will. Because the kingdom's coming. As I said earlier, they say those who never learn from history are doomed to repeat it. We saw what happened under Moses. We saw what happened under Jesus Christ's day. What's going to happen in your day? You think the pattern is going to be different for you? You've got to believe him. You've got to follow him. 
You've got to be willing to put the same faith in him now that you had to save, that saved your soul. You don't stop believing after you got saved. You're supposed to increase your faith. You're supposed to believe in more and more. Hebrews 4.1. Hebrews 4.1. If you don't learn the lesson from God's word, you're going to miss God's blessing. In this life and the life to come. You're going to miss. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the, the reward he might have for you may not be what you get. And the, the good you could do down here might be lost. Man, all of you are just a missionary and a pastor right now. You walk out your door, you're a missionary every day. You walk in your door, you're a pastor to your wife, to your kids, to your family. You're all in the ministry. You're all in it. What are you doing with it? Or will you fail to believe and miss the blessing? 4.1 of Hebrews, God has drawn that parallel between Moses' day and Jesus Christ's day. And here's the admonition, and here's what we're going home on. Let us, therefore, fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. He said, if you see what happened under Moses' day, and you see what happened during Jesus Christ's day, don't let it happen in your day. Believe the Lord. Believe the Lord. And put feet to those faith and attempt great things for God. Let's stand for prayer together. Let's stand for prayer.